Hello and welcome to the Football Babble. Almost a full house tonight. Uh, Paddy, Cousin Mud, Steve and myself, Phil, are here. Brenton might be joining us. I think he's watching Roy McElroy and the players um, at the minute, but I don't think Rory is doing too well. Uh, Kelsey Breeze. Um, yes, we're going to we sort of line this up. We want to chat. Um, we'll talk about the football as it happened this weekend, um, but we wanted to more get into it about uh, just basically ownership problems. Rowan Abramovich has decided to sell Chelsea <clears throat> so they can't get the club ripped off him by the government and sanctions, although the Tory government are funded by Russian money, so I highly doubt that's going to happen anyway. Um, other sport washing that's been going on, just general football at the minute and the state of it but, uh, behind the scenes because I know Johnny has said to me before he doesn't feel like he's going to watch the Qatar World Cup. I am at the point now where I'm, I don't know how I'll watch it. I really don't, but we'll get into this here um, eventually. Stephen, us being the main younger pod members, uh, we want to let you go first tonight to talk about the football because the Manchester Derby is over and I'd have a confession. Uh, only about five minutes ago, I realised it was 4-1. I thought it was still 3-1. <laughs> so I, I missed a 4-1. Um, apologies. <laughs> but... I feel like Mika Richards right now trying to hold in the laughter or Roy Hain sitting beside me. <laughs> um, right, Stephen... What yes. happened? Uh, it's actually like it feels like we've had this conversation like a million times, but Harry Maguire was signed for eighty million pounds. Um and since then it's just been an absolute shit show for Man United. Um it, you can't you can't do anything with a team that's built on quicksand. You can't like you know, the foundations for anything they try to do stems from the back and there's just no trust in the back four whatsoever. Like you know, I remember reading at the time when United signed uh, Wan Bissaka that they had conducted like a, a, a scouting analysis of like nine hundred wing backs in world football, and they all decided on Wan Bissaka as being the best full back in in football that they could sign. And you just think like, how like how were those people still employed? Like, if I was that bad at my job, I'd expect to have my P forty five in the morning and. It's just stuff like that. It's consistently, consistently buying players who come with a massive price tag and them not performing whatsoever. And, you know, I think the only one at the back four today that showed any sort of glimpse of quality or could possibly stick around uh, or should be there next season was Tellez. Like, Gary Neville tried to blame him for the first goal, but, like, he had a player behind him. What was he supposed to do? Like, Harry Maguire was standing in the six-yard box, marking absolutely nobody, looking around himself. Um, and so I thought Tellers actually was okay today, and I think he's probably the best of the back four. And yeah. it's just, like, it's just pathetic. It's the word, I, I must have sent the word pathetic on WhatsApp about 50 times this afternoon, because that's what it is. Like, it... I can't even be angry at it because, like, at least if they put in, I might be more annoyed if there was any sort of heart or effort in the performance. But, you know, there was no professionalism there from, I would say, 75% of the players out there. There was people who turned up, collected a paycheck and went home. And that's the most disheartening bit because every time you think they've turned a corner, every time you think they're doing something a little bit better, they have a performance like this. Like, I mean, there was the the, the, the game last week, they absolutely should have won, absolutely 
you know, dominated the game, and you thought, okay, there's there's things coming together here. And then today, like they they were okay in the first half. First half wasn't too bad, but the second half, like I mean, four touches in the opposition box in the second half of a fixture, you've won three out of the last five times you played it. Like it's just nowhere near good enough. Is um obviously Ranick is going to get uh, a lot of the shtick you'd imagine too, but do you not do you not feel sorry for him? Oh, I do. I don't think it's his fault at all. Like I mean, you could see in the first half that three times uh, Fernandez tried to uh, instigate a press up front. Twice Pogba failed to pick up the press and one Sancho, and. Like the thing about the press is, you all need to do it. And the city goal came from a lapsed press up front, where they all then decided because Fernandez gave up on it then at that stage, trying to instigate it. And the city goal came from it. And I do feel sorry for Ragnik because I I think the the methodology is there. The methodology has been proven to work. He's just not getting the players to do it because they all see themselves as 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 being bigger than him, as being bigger than the club and. Yeah, I was just I was going through it after the game and I was thinking like who would I who would I keep out of the starting eleven like for next season? And it does come it comes down to maybe four players. It comes down to De Gea, who might be well past it anyway at this stage. Tellez, Fernandez, Sancho, and Alanga out of the starting eleven. Like considering the cost of putting that team together, like that's nowhere near good enough. Um and so it, it, what would worry me though is that like he Ragnick obviously surprised Guardiola with how they set up in the first half, and I don't think City had too many answers in in the first half. Um, I think the first goal, as I said, it was Harry Maguire's position, and other than like ninety percent of defenders, centre backs in the Premier League would have been in a much better position, would have blocked that shot. And I think for second goal, for some reason, instead of booting the ball out of play, he jumps over it to try and. Like, <laughs> I, I I just saw that he dummied it. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, it makes it make no sense whatsoever what he was what he was trying to do and i think that's what i said even a you take 90 percent of the other center halves in the top half of the league and they would just hoof that into the stand and you, you deal with the corner like um and i think United in for about twenty minutes of that half, the last twenty minutes of that half, there was a couple of city attacks, but I thought United looked comfortable. It looked like okay, this is going to end in a two-two draw, and you know it's going to be the worst possible result because obviously it benefits Liverpool and it doesn't do United's top four chances any any good. Uh, but the second half, they just never got started. They absolutely like like when you're playing Bruno Fernandez and Paul Pogba as your two centre forwards, like. And don't get any balls into their feet at all. Like, what's the point in playing them there? Like, you know, you might as well have like David De Gea up there if you're going to do that. Like, <laughs> but they're asking wide. Like, they're asking Fred and McTominay to get into their feet, though. That yeah, they're not. They're well, not going to be able to do that as accurate anyway. Do you know what I mean? I think Fred has Fred has been better under Ragnick than he has been. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Career. I do think he has been better. To be fair. But McTominay, like, I'd be surprised if a championship club took him at this stage. It's, it's just so poor. Like, the standard is just nowhere near what you would expect. Um, and, like, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Because, like, what do you do? Do you take 
like McCommon off and bring on like fifty year old Juan Mata or sixty year old well, Matic like Schmeichel, just... uh, I was I had the radio on, I was making dinner. Cottage pie, my friends, it was lovely. And um Schmeichel said he would bring <laughs> United need Matic and I, I felt like just smashing the radio with my face. Um because I just if you're if you need to break the glass for what for Nemanja Matic don't don't bother. Let it burn to the ground, and walk off. Do you know? I I I don't. That's not that's not going to work. Um, I, it, it, we obviously like Paddy's has been Paddy's been giggling the whole time. You've been talking, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed, Steve, but he's been laughing as we head off the whole time. But I, I don't. In a serious way, I don't know. I, I, if you're looking at this job, it's Manchester United. So there'll be still coaches looking and going. This is Manchester United. But like, it's such a big rebuild now. Even if they do get into, even if they do get into fourth, and get in the championship, you're like, well, what am I going to do here? Because the 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 pressure is always that Manchester United have to be challenging, you know. And you've gone through two, three, four seasons now. I know he's came second, but but you were off City because City had blew everyone away. So I don't know, like, who who do you want to take it? Like, and we're probably going to keep talking about this, but because I think that was it, Ornstein said tonight that they're going to make a decision within the next couple of weeks because they want the new man to be able to be in charge of the new recruits in the summer. Who is it? I don't know who it is. I don't know who'd want it. Like, I honestly don't know who watched that game today and go, yeah, that's the That's what I mean. I, I can yeah. turn it around. I honestly don't know who'd do it. Um, like, Pacino's not going to touch that. Um... Like he already took over one shit show with Love and Spurs, he's not going to do another one. So, oh, it's a Spurs um, dig in this podcast. No I mean, charge available. Yes, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> the best man for the job. Yeah, interim manager. I, I, I genuinely don't know. I, I, I don't know whether the, the best approach is to take on a young, promising manager, tell him he has. A few years to get this right and tell him the focus has to be on the youth system the, pretty much like you know like arsenal are doing like develop those players from from the, the the younger side of the squad and and don't go out for the big like they've done the big splash signing now like and I, like I, I was in i was in the pub last week and someone was trying to make the point that other oh, hauling the way from being a contender they're under fuck unless he can play center half like <laughs> i mean like what good is signing Haaland when you can't defend like there's as i said it, it, it all comes from <laughs> look at liverpool signing one world-class center half and one world-class goalkeeper is the difference between liverpool challenging for top four and liverpool challenging for a title like that was it all the other things Klopp did, it was cement that back four. It was give solidity. It was to give the midfield the knowledge that if the if if whatever we're trying breaks down, we've got big verge behind us. Like we're grand. Like that's what United don't have. Like you see the passes, and it's always with the awareness that Jesus, this shit show behind us. Like, um, <laughs> and like, it, it, so there, but those players aren't out there. Like they went and they, like when Harry Maguire was signed, was I happy with that? Was I happy with the amount? No, but then again, it's not my money. But I thought he was a decent centre half. And I said it all along, and I think I've said it here before. I think if he's your second, if he's your second best centre half, you've probably got a pretty good defence. If you're relying on him, then you're fucked. 
Make your so was the, the bigger miss today, Varane over Ronaldo? I don't think Ronaldo was a miss today at all because the way they played, I don't think he'd have seen much of the game, to be honest. Um, it's hard to know Varane. Like, he's missed 14 games this season. He only missed 13 in his last three seasons. Mm. Like, is that is there something wrong with the training at United? Is he crying off? Like it's it's really really hard to tell what's going on. Like there's there's a like a World Cup winner, a European Cup winner, and like it's not like he's been great since he came in either. So like that's the problem is like they keep signing what they're hoping is going to be the solution, and and it's never it hasn't been like and for a club that relied so much on having world class centre halves for so long. Um, it's the most glaring weakness, and I'm honestly convinced. And like, there's other things that need to be fixed. But if you fix that first, you can do all the other things you want to do, because you've got that security that, okay, well, even if we give away possession at midfield or give away possession in in transition or whatever, there's there's the lads back there who are going to sort this out first. We're fine. And when you have the fear that, that you don't trust them, um, you just yeah. can't get over it. It's it's well, like. You- did you ever twist your ankle or did you ever um like just not necessarily uh twist your ankle or break your ankle or anything like that but did you ever lose the kind of um what would you say like the, the feeling of support in your ankle like that that idea that if i put this down on the ground it's going to support me like what if you've ever done that like my ankle kind of clicks in and out of of uh, since i broke it and it's like sometimes you're coming down the stairs and just it loses all its weight bearing capabilities at all and so it's every time I'm taking that step, I'm like, fuck, is this going to be the one that's going to see me roll down the stairs? Like, that's what it feels like when Manchester United are attacking, the constant fear that, oh, shit, if we give the ball away, we're screwed. Do you call your ankle Harry Maguire? Genuine <laughs> 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 question. I should. I should start my Did you get a tattooed? Yeah. You should. I have, I have another question, right? I have one question for it, because, like, obviously, I'm I'm just right. at this stage, right? Harry Maguire has played his entire career as a left-sided centre-half, right? Correct. Every single fucking time I watch Manchester United, he has drifted over to the right-hand side of the centre-half position <laughs> and left an acre of room. Why does he do this? Like, he has, wrong with him? I know what it is. It's it's a term. Um, it's called Alberto Morenoism. So what used to happen <laughs> at Anfield was, Paddy will know this, there used to be this little advert up alongside the, the billboard or the thing, and it was a dog. Moreno used to chase it. Because he thought it was a dog, and I think Harry Maguire sees adverts like he saw Marathon Bet or Snickers or something. He's like, oh, and away he goes, and then he really he forgets where he is, and then dust. Um, so I think I think yeah, his, I, I don't know, I don't know what you need to do with that. It's I mean, long may I continue. Apologies, Stephen. Um, and obviously, Rizzo was text me actually during this to tell me to not go too hard. United as a friend. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Rezo. You ruined my childhood, so I'll go as hard as I can. No, um, we'll move on because Stevens had his had his therapy already. Looks happier. Hang Johnson. on, we, we haven't had our therapy yet. We yeah, want to land the United. <laughs> I was going to let you talk about Arsenal and the top four race. Well, but United are just fucking giving it to us, like so. I mean, with, with um, three games in hand, uh, I mean the three, three games, games in hand, hand aren't aren't easy, like yeah. Um, you also obviously Saka is continuing his Liverpool trial and he's been unreal. I can't wait till he signs. He's doing very good. Talking about Arsenal today, Jonathan and Saka's performance, how good was he? I mean, 
people, I think I remember a couple of years ago when Saka was coming through and Brandon Williams was coming through United, they were comparing the two. Um, I think oh, Brandon, Brandon Williams in Norwich now, is that where he is? Yeah. Uh, he, he's, un, he's unbelievable like, for, for the age of him, like, you know, and he's so good one-on-one, like, you just know when Saka's running on a player like that boy is dust, whoever's up <laughs> against him, he, he's just, he's incredible, like, uh, and Martin Odegaard as well, it's just for 30, 35 million, whatever we bought him for, like, it's an absolute steal in this market, he's been absolutely unbelievable the last couple of weeks, top, top player, I mean, when, when Steve was talking about United there, I know what it, like, the Arsenal project is definitely not completed, like, um, it's it is maybe something similar that Man United need to do, like bring in a young coach, get rid of the dead wood. Like you look at our team when Arteta came in, Mustafi, Socrates, Ozil, Aubameyang, like probably a few. Gwen Doozy is an absolute numpty, and he's officially signed for Marseille this week. Out of the road, agents that need to get out of the club who think they're bigger and better than the the team they're representing. You know, you can look at the likes of your. Ronaldo, Pogba, like nobody knows where Pogba's going to be next year. And when Pogba wants to play, he can play. Like we, we've seen him do it. He just doesn't do it on a consistent basis. Um, I suppose when you look at the tactics from Man United today, I was listening to it on the radio as well with Peter Schmeichel, and he was actually doing my fucking head. And I don't know about you, but he really was annoying. Um, playing Bruno Fernandez and Pogba so high up the field, I think you have to put a bit of the blame on the manager. Like, I mean, if you're going to leave space for Man City, like what do you expect to happen? Probably should have done. And it, it's no coincidence that Solskjaer was in charge of these victories we had at Man City. Like, but you know, park the bus, hit them on the brake. I mean, it worked every single time against Man City. I mean, Rashford, yeah. I mean, like, come on, rap, come on. That's the only good thing Solskjaer done in the so many years he was manager at Man United. But, like, the icing on the cake for me today was Roy Keane absolutely losing his bop. I mean, it was probably one of the best bits of TV I've seen all week. <laughs> I mean, talking about players more concerned about their looks and their boots and all this sort of crap. Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, it's it's been a good weekend of results for, for Arsenal, like, there's no doubt. Uh, Liverpool beat in West Ham yesterday, and hopefully the Blue side and Merseyside do us a favour tomorrow and stick another dagger in Conte's heart and Spurs, like, but... Yeah, it's it's not good times for Man United, and it is absolutely glorious. I am enjoying every single second of it. It is unbelievable. <laughs> it, is, it is truly unbelievable. And like we have all been through it with our own clubs. Like United, obviously, have had a pretty shitty few years. But like what uh, what Steve was saying about signing a world class centre half, like Van Dijk did transform Liverpool, and there was a stat yesterday: Van Dijk has now played 60 games at Anfield at home in the league without, without losing. Like, he, he makes that difference. And we lost a lot when he when he was out. So it shows the difference that he makes. But, like, Maguire's just a complete fucking bombsker every time. Like, he's awful. Um, and, like, United consistently sign players and they go out with a reputation, whatever the opposite of enhanced is, fucked. Like, like, like Swamsaka, Sanchez, Di Maria, Lukaku... Marcus Rojo, everyone goes and just turns the absolute turd. Like, it's so... Like, it can't just be coincidence. Like, there's something cool. intrinsically wrong at that club. Like, I remember hearing a stat a while ago. It, it might, might have changed now, but of, of players like United buy and sell, they, they'd only made a profit on, like, two, and it was, like, um, 
Daily Blind and um, Alex Butner or something, and it was like negligible profits. Um, they just so the transfer market, they're bad at selling, they're bad at buying, they're bad at scouting. Like, how are you actually going to get better? Like, it's it's shocking. And you know, you talk about um, a rebuild, but Liverpool did. Yes, they went out and signed a few world class players, but Liverpool picked up players on freeze. They picked up players from Joel Matip. You know, Southampton, yeah, mad up on a free. Like a lot of the boys we picked up were from like unheralded European clubs. Um, you know, United could do a lot worse than go out and just look around the Premier League and try and sign a few boys. And they might have to pay a bit for them, but like go and sign Tark Lampy to play right back, go and sign Calvert Lewin, go and sign Jared Rice, Bowen. Jared Bowen, uh Pedro Neto, uh Pedance, like you know, just go and buy these kind of established Premier League players who can hit the ground running and won't have this kind of will they, won't they succeed, that they're going and buying these expensive recruits from Spanish League, French League, Italian League, whatever, that they in common just can't play. Because, like, you know, Lukaku's gone on, and I know he's not having a great season this season, but he went on and was, like, talked about in Ballon d'Or kind of um, breaths. His season at Inter was that spectacular, like... And Di Maria's gone on to play at a really high level for, for PSG again, you know. It just, and Argentina. Uh, yeah, so it's weird, like, and Steve said there are a few players that they can kind of maybe build around, and that's kind of the same that Arsenal were like. They always had a, a core few, and we talked about it a lot on this pod, about how good, like, the likes of Martinelli or Sakas, Mithril, you know, these kind of young young boys. Like, if United just, he seems to like Alanga, you know, he seemed, obviously Fernandez is a good player. And even like Dallo and, and Tellez have like found their stock elevated. Ragnick must like them. Um so yeah, it's just it's such a weird club like. Um it's enjoyable, don't get me wrong, but they were so so insipid today, like I couldn't believe how bad they were. Cause you know, whenever they scored, I was I was delighted, but I never thought they would actually win that game. You know, it's just and City, City are good, like. They're tremendous. They really are. And they're still favourites for the league. Absolutely, one hundred percent. They are not Patrick, but that's another conversation. Why was <laughs> why was Ronaldo not playing today? I I haven't heard why he was out. Was he injured? Or? Hip, injury. Hip injury, apparently. But probably because it it was too embarrassing for his brand to be dropped. That he probably wanted some lame ass excuse to protect value, reputation, dignity. Um, because he. I just hope. There isn't a. Do you remember Serie A created an MVP award so he could get it? Do you remember this? Yes. In his first season of Venice, I just hope the Premier League don't do something daft. You know, where it's like a they'll do something like an All Star thing or some stupid now, and he'll win something or give him a fifth place trophy. They come fifth and tell him to shove it up his bollocks or something stupid like that. But um, yeah, look, the the United project is it's at at foundation level still, Steve. Obviously, you know that and be interesting to see who they go in next. I think Paddy makes a great point there as well about looking around the league and players to get in now. Alexa Bowen obviously is going to cost an absolute fortune, but along those lines, like players that are maybe not at an established top six club, so to speak, but they can pick up because we got Genie Van Alden for 25 million and look what he did. League and Champions League. Um, Obviously, Joel Maddock was free. Andy Robbins was 8 million. Players like this coming through. James Milner was free. People didn't want him. That was one of the... Th- Best things Rogers did was uh, bring in James Milner and look what he's done. But and it can be done. And I, I'm not trying to 
I'm not trying to stick up for United players because I do think that they have to start. Never mind this bullshit, as Roy Keane said with with the apologies on social media, but they have to really have a look at themselves now for the rest of the season. I mean, like, what is going on here? But I do think there used to be this thing would go on about Liverpool goalkeepers before Alisson arrived, and then obviously the best goalkeeper in the world, Kevin Keller, where it was the weight of the jersey and the weight of the badge. And I know these are, and people get on to me here, they're paid, paid athletes getting paid a load of money. That's irrelevant. Still human beings. And it could be a case for some of these players. Like, that could be a case for Harry Maguire, where he, he just puts his United jersey on with the armband and the pressure's just too much for him. Where even though his he's head is humongous and his brain's massive, he just can't. What did you say? He's not much better with England. So, but he was true. at the Euros. Do you know what I mean? He was good at the Euros. I gave him that, but then you you look at like I haven't seen him play well for United. I haven't seen him play well for United. Um, there's a couple of other players that maybe just the weight of it. Like Sancho was having bits st- stops and starts. He's still young. Do you know what I mean? There is maybe an element of that, but for some of the and I would yes, McGrath's going to get it in the neck, but the likes of Pogba today, from what I saw and what I heard in the radio, not being arsed, the Pogba project needs to be moved on. I know he can at really times be years, hasn't it? Really? Yeah. Well, and really at times, and, and Steve said it like he can be he can be the best player in the world for, at times when he wants to be. He can win games when he wants to be. He just just, just doesn't want the team to do it. With United, and then you see him for France, and he's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know. It's uh, it does need to move on before we finish off on the football. Obviously, just this weekend, Paddy, I missed the match last night. Can only watch it back in highlights. I was talking to my dad today, but he is uber biased, so it doesn't matter what he like. He wants to tell me Liverpool are amazing, even if they weren't. But how it was last night because it seemed nervy enough. Yeah, they were they weren't at it really. Like they grounded out and started really brightly, had a few chances, um, eventually took one, and then probably West Ham had the better chances after that. Lanzini missed, I think it was Lanzini missed like a shot from six yards out, like should have buried it. Um, did a few other ones, Antonio threw and uh, a few shots kind of from in and around the area. It was a very, very good three points in the end, but um, like West Ham put up a decent fight because I had been, like I said, I was in London last week and I went to sit watch West Ham against Wolves. West Ham were absolutely awful. Um, and I I had kind of said to my mate watching it, I was like, we're going to absolutely destroy these ones on, on Saturday night. Like it's, it's going to be a complete bloodbath. Um, and it kind of looked like it would be that way at the start. Like Salah went through after a minute, really clever, quick free kick from from Trent and um, Alexander Arnold. But yeah, they just kind of hung around like a bad smell. Liverpool weren't at it, but kind of got over the line. Important three points, as as they all are, and uh, you know it's good good for Arsenal as well. Like and, and probably good for United. You know it keeps kind of West Ham probably out of the picture. Really, you um, haven't been on the pod since Louis Diaz signed, so. What's your opinion on him so far? I know Johnny's a fan. You <laughs> made it in the last TNB, more or less. Yeah, I I think I'm a little bit in love. <laughs> I think I'm a little bit in love. Um, he is unbelievable. He he has that feeling. But like, whenever Suarez signed and whenever Torres signed, they they just completely like from from their debut, you just knew they were going to be special. And this guy just looks ridiculous. Like, he looks. He's so quick. He very rarely loses the ball. Makes really good decisions. Has a bit of needle about him. Um, you know, just seems like a good guy as well. And 
Yeah, I think Sadio Mane could start having looks over his shoulders because over his shoulder because like this guy's this guy's better than him, in my opinion, already. Um and like Mane's contract still hasn't been renewed. He looks really angry all the time at the minute, Mane. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what's going on behind the scenes if he maybe isn't being offered a new deal. He wants or, a new deal. Or what's going on. Uh, he, wa- he wants a new deal, but there, there's been no talks yet. See, there's those the fame front three are all kind of running down now, and I don't know what Liverpool are actually going to do. Um, I think at least one of them is going to go. Um, I don't know which one. I think what I could possibly see happening is Salah renewal and possibly, you know, let Firmino's contract run down. Liverpool kind of like, well, not like, but they don't mind doing that. Like, with, did it with Wijnaldum, did it with Lallana, did it with Sturridge, did it with Moreno. They kind of seem to know when a player's time is up. Won't offer the new big deal. Kind of what Arsenal were doing for years, offering boys big money when they hit 30, three, four-year deals that are that are insane. Liverpool haven't really done that. And if they do it with Salah, it'll be a big departure from their norm. So... You could maybe see one or one of Mane or or Firmino's contract run down, um, and then maybe they'll renew renew Salah plus one. I wouldn't more. I wouldn't rule out anything because Steve will know this from being a, a sports fan. John Henry doesn't really give a shit who, if your best player is Mookie Betts, he'll sell them. He'll let them go to the LA Dodgers. It doesn't bother him. He'll start the cycle again. Now the Red Sox might come back in a couple of um, seasons and be good again, but to John Henry. He just repeats the cycle. It's no sentimentality, it seems to be, which, I mean, he's been successful, so it'll sting, definitely, if Salah's mm-hmm. sold or let go, 100%. Likewise, it'll be annoying, too, as a Liverpool fan to see Firmino and Mane go because of so much joy they give us. My thoughts on it are, though, that I do think Salah will get the deal. I think Firmino will get an extension, and I think Mane will be sold. Right. Because... Klopp just talks glowingly about Firmino, and I think I know Firmino gets a kick in because he doesn't score the goals that you would expect a normal number number nine to score. But you only have to look at the likes of his cameo against Inter Milan. They were probably very flat in that game up front. When he came on, he added something different because he's able to come in and hold the ball up, link play, or scored a good goal, and um, was able to provide help players provide width because Diaz and Salah are able to hang out wide, and he's able to find them. That's pivotal, and if Liverpool. Now, don't, Stephen, behave yourself before I say this. If Liverpool don't have Thiago, they need someone like Firmino to play in that nine, because, Stephen, because there's across the front three, I don't think there's someone there that can. You saw it in the Carabao Cup final. Do you know, it was all. Diaz mm. was doing a lot. The other two were non existent, really. I don't like Mane through the middle. I, I don't think um, his backup play is good enough. No. Jota um, could possibly turn into that role. Yeah. I think. Um, but that's why I would keep I would keep Firmino, possibly, and and unfortunately for Sadio, maybe move Sadio on. But um, I think that'll do us for our football chat. Brent's not on, so root Chelsea. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's been a lot going on uh, in football and Chelsea, obviously, this week off the field. Um, Robin Abramovich is has put the club up for sale because of the war that's going on in Ukraine. Um, and there's been a lot more talk now about sport washing and different things that have been going on. So I just wanted to chat, we wanted to chat basically about it and how we feel about the whole thing. Obviously, the Guitar World Cup's coming up. Um, God knows what FIFA will hand the, the one after that too. Or not, the one after that's in Mexico, Canada and 
the USA, but no doubt they'll find something to put in Saudi Arabia. I just wanted your opinions on it, on basically, because we haven't talked about Ronan Bramwich selling the club yet, so, Paddy, do you want to go first? Because you haven't been on for a while, so good to get your thoughts on it. My thought on it is, and without trying to annoy Chelsea fans, is that he's getting rid of it now, so he can't get it took off him for free, um, and he can make some money back on it. Yeah, like he's he clearly sees the walls closing in, and he's never really properly maybe denounced Putin or anything like that because they're buds or whatever. I don't know, but um, yeah, the, the the walls are closing in on him, so he's trying to sell club, sell properties, and he's probably looking to protect the club as well. Like he maybe doesn't want to see you know the club put in a bad spot. So yeah. I'm sure his interest, you know. His kind of um, heart's in the right place with the club because he does seem to really love the club. Like he said, he's going to write off that one and a half billion pound they owe him. And I thought it was a nice touch that he said he would, you know, uh, donate the profits from the sale. I think um, to you know the Ukrainian kind of humanitarian charities or whatever, which was nice. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like it's 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 something that. You know, you wonder what what else is is down the line. You know, obviously Newcastle has been high profile with these Saudis. Like, is this going to happen to Saudi Arabia eventually? Is this going to happen to Newcastle? Should you know, be happening now to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, like these 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 owners, like a, a few of them are maybe maybe involved more nefarious kind of people and dealings. But um, yeah, it's weird. Like even watching City today, round the sides, I know they're kind of. Um, Abu Dhabi, but all this, all the stuff around the sides is like go to Dubai, go to Dubai. You know, constantly, constantly in your face. Like you, you know, same if you're watching PSG, all this, you know, Qatar stuff all over the show. Like it's just like a big advertising market for them. It's kind of rank, to be honest. Um, that's sport washing. That's exactly yeah, right in front of our eye. That's absolutely that's it. can't stand it. Like. Um, I know sports washing just it sounds like uh, every time I hear the term I think of like someone washing the bibs after five aside. <laughs> no, it's a bit more sinister, uh, Patrick. Yeah. But um, um, yeah, so no, it's you know, and then I actually thought what Tuchel came out and kind of denounced what um, the fans, some of the some of the Chelsea fans, not all of some of the fans were singing about Roman Abramovich during the kind of minutes applause for Ukraine, like. Because they're absolute fucking morons. Um, but I think Tuchel has dealt with everything that's been thrown at him in the last couple of weeks, like really, really well. Like he has a real yeah. human side to him or something. He kind of like crop in that way, like a liberal lefty, and he just kind of um I don't know, I just think he deals with everything the right way. I think though one thing I will say is, and I spoke to Brenton about this, I do think what Abramovich is doing is the right thing for Chelsea. I know there are Chelsea fans that adore him, and that's fair enough because of everything he's won. Um, but selling the club is the right thing because as a fan, you, you'll be bollocks then. The club will get... Well, what should have happened really was, and this is nothing to have a dig at Chelsea fans, but the club should have been took from him because other oligarchs have been losing their yachts that are 600-odd million and all this here bollocks and have lost all, all their other assets. But Abramovich has been given, and this is a good thing for Chelsea, and I'm not having to go with Chelsea at all, but he's been given grace, basically. He's been given grace to sell the club and, and, and move it on. And maybe that it, maybe it is because it's a football club, 
who knows i don't know um but i will say it, that is a good thing um and <laughs> yeah the whole it's hard as well like and I, I want johnny and steve to come in here as well like, you see so, so newcastle obviously are now been bought by saudi arabia and you see people like alan shearer come on and go two-footed in at chelsea about what's been going on there and their ownership and just completely ignore um his ownership that's the saudi, saudi arabian government now that own and what's been going on there like you have you can't ignore it do you know what i mean if you're ignoring it, you're just being completely ignorant by choice because nobody doesn't everybody knows what's been going on do you know what i mean so i don't know steve what football's that's football has already gone through the looking glass I don't know if yeah, we can get it back, but what do you think should happen? Table. What do you think um, happens next? I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know because, like, Newcastle should have been a watershed moment. Um, that that deal should never have been allowed to go through. And you know, they're talking now about bringing in like a human rights um, test for ownership in in Premier League, and you're going like. Like how how is that not a consideration already? You know, yeah. Uh, Newcastle's owners are you know right at this moment waging war on Yemen. Uh, regardless of whether Newcastle fans like think they're owned by Saudi Arabia or not, they are. Um, and the Abramovich stuff is weird as well. Like part of me feels sorry for him because he is he is friends with Putin. I think that's fairly well acknowledged, or an associate say of Putin. Where his money came from has never really been made clear either, um, though I think certain assumptions have been made. And it's long been believed, even before all, all of what's happening in Ukraine and, and all that like started, it's long been believed that one of the reasons he bought Chelsea, and he is a massive fan, like you can see it, like it, it means a lot to him. Yeah. But one of the reasons he bought Chelsea was because it made him less likely to be a target of the Putin regime because it gave him a certain level of global standing that maybe other people who move in those circles didn't have. Um, I'm going, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here because it's obviously a, it's, it's a dangerous situation for a lot of people and a lot of people are a lot less protected than Roman Abramovich is, but the Chelsea purchase always felt like it was about more than a hobby for him. Um, that actually, and that's why I think this move this week was even harder for him to make because it offered him a certain level of 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 security, and so you can see why he has been very careful with his words. Like it's easy for us to sit here and say condemn everything the Russians are doing. It's a lot more difficult for someone who is Russian and high profile and who has families to the Russia to do the same thing. That doesn't mean it's they shouldn't do it, but it's a lot more difficult for someone like that to do it. So when people are criticizing his statements and things like that, I think it's very easy to say that when you've no skin in the game. Um, and not, you know, I would be the last person in the world to defend billionaires. Um, <laughs> but it does feel like there's, feels like football is just not important at the moment. Like, and, and like it is because it's a distraction and that's what sport has always been. And, and I completely get that. And like, Ukrainian athletes are still competing in, in international tournaments in gymnastics and, and skiing and all sorts of things. Like 
so in a lot of ways life is going on even though you know the tragedy that's unfolding in the russian invasion of their country and i, I don't know what the premier league does because like it's clear that the tory government have have taken a very light touch with everything because you know where their money comes from in a lot of cases um uh and i i, I don't know like i think there's there's too many people are quick to, to 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 divide this along like club lines and go oh well fuck chelsea and fuck roman abramovich like i think what he's yeah. doing is, it's been a difficult decision i think he's yeah. handled it well i'd like a little bit more clarity about the statement about like where the money from the sale is going to help because it was like all victims yeah. of the war in ukraine and does, does that mean russians as well like i mean so little bits like that but in the grand scheme of things i think He's not going to bankrupt the club, which is something I think fans of other teams always talked about. That once Abramovich steps out and he calls in those loans, that's Chelsea done. Like, um, but I think there's a bigger question out of all of this: is should we be putting club ownership in the hands of, like, you know, Mud and myself are, and 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 yourself and Paddy, like our clubs are owned by owners that we don't necessarily like, but they don't have blood in their hands, like. Um, and Abramovich the same, like so. There with Newcastle, it felt like we just we went past the point of no return in terms of actually it doesn't matter who owns football clubs, and uh, we'll we'll let anybody that wants to own a football team own one. And uh, I don't think he come back from that. Johnny, what do you think? Nobody else wanted to say it, so I will fuck Chelsea and fuck Abramovich. Oh my I God. no like. Sorry, like I honestly, it's not, it's not the take a dig at Chelsea fans or Brands. <laughs> but uh, no, no, genuinely, like fuck a Bramford. Like you know, he's selling the club for three billion, and he's not recalling his loans. Well, you're fucking selling them for three billion, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, shut the fuck up. Like, get the fuck back to Russia out of the way. He should never be allowed to buy Chelsea in the first place. Like he's fucking, he's made my fucking life misery for fucking fifteen years or so. <laughs> so away you go the fuck i mean sorry like i have no sympathy for him like i've sympathy for the likes of chelsea fans like brenton like my cousin because like obviously there's such so much uncertainty for his football club now but i mean like look at john terry for fuck's sake like this this is their this is a legend of their club he's a fucking idiot do you know what i mean like post not utter shit he posted the other day it's just it's just i, I just i can't i just People I have seen people say they feel sorry for him, like, but I really don't at all. I mean, he's involved with fucking Hitler 2.0 in some shape or form, whether they're mates, you know, accomplices, whatever. Like, I have no idea what the relationship is with him and Putin. And it's exactly the same to what Steve said. Like, nobody knows how Abramovich actually made his money in the first place. So he came in and he was the one that started, like, all this bullshit in English football with fucking changing the complete landscape of the game like nobody could compete with chelsea back then in terms of who you wanted to buy like i mean he really bugged me when he took ashley cole out and was like that's when they really fucking pissed me <laughs> off like you fucking scumbags going behind our backs in their wee hotel room with fucking Mourinho and abramovich and talking numbers to ashley cole you fucking rat i am glad to see the back of him i mean Jesus like Christ, Jonathan. the difference is now with the, and like you say, Abramovich obviously did care about Chelsea. Like he obviously was a fan, 
and they, they'll get in it. And I, I said this prior to Bramovich putting the club mm-hmm. up for sale. They'll get somebody who will be a billionaire to come in and take over again. But the difference is, will they actually care as much as Abramovich? That's that's what I'm curious to see in the future with who Chelsea's new owners are going to be. Like, are they going to back them in the transfer market every single year the way Abramovich has? Like, are they going to be as successful? Are they going to keep winning league titles, Champions Leagues, whatever? You know, you can get... We, look at Mike Ashley. Like, Mike Ashley had money like, with Newcastle and got them relegated, what, two or three times? So it doesn't matter how much money you have, how much you care. And I don't know whether... I think I think Brenton said there's rumours of a Swiss owner or somebody from America potentially coming in to take over at Chelsea. But what kind of bugs me, and Phil, you touched on it, was that he's been given time to sell this football club, and why is he? It should have been taken off from there and then. And see you later, mate. You know, and it's it's been coming. He's been banned from the UK for a couple of years now. So like, yeah. why why is he been given the opportunity to sell a football club when there's clubs? in the lower leagues that have went completely out of business went bust and have never came back and like it's not like Chelsea are going to go bust and fucking disappear off the face of the planet they're not they're fucking European and world champions at the moment like there will be interest like take it off him and let him go like why has he been given this opportunity that's what really bugs me about the whole thing no that is fair like that's that's why I raised it and I think a lot of people are raising it like why has he been given time to sell it and again like um, maybe it is because it's a football club and because what's attached to that football club, as in the fan base, um, and the amount of staff, the amount of jobs, amount of, you know, maybe maybe that's why he's been given time. Um, which I think that's definitely part of the reason, like, because yeah. there would be, you know, marches around West London, but also, which Steve touched on, because a lot of these Russians, possibly Abramovich included, I'm not sure, are big, like, Tory party donors. So, like, they're, they're giving a heads up and you know so i think you're right like there's a mixture a mixture of two things probably going on like can you imagine, i think as well what's interesting sorry about yeah, going ahead like if the government did announce you know they were basically seizing chelsea's assets and you know they can't pay their players can't pay whatever the, yeah there's just something more emotive about a football club that's supported by millions rather than some like probably faceless you know packaging business owned by a russian or whatever um mm. but yeah I don't know, it's fucked then you get um like today and i i understand too that not everyone associated with manchester city um is obviously well how do i put this city today obviously they have sinchenko um who every time i look at him like i just feel so sorry for him um, I don't, and I know I've had the discussions on Twitter about it. People don't feel sorry for him because he's taken the money from City. That's always the argument. But again, like these people are human beings. Like he was a young kid, got the chance to go and play for Man City, who were coming through with money. He knew he was going to play Champions League, win league titles, play under Pep Guardiola. Like he's, he's not. You're not going to say no. Nobody's ever going to say no to that. But anyway, um, so that City did a. I think the day before the game, like all the Premier League clubs, all the sports clubs, I think even I was at the Ulster match um, on Friday night and they did it as well um, sort of show solidarity with with people of Ukraine. But when it's people like City and uh, Newcastle, it's very strange, isn't it? It just is. And it's not a go normal fans or anything up there. It's just the owners of here. It just feels very fake especially when 
the UAE and Saudi Arabia abstained from voting, you know, for sanctions against Russia. And then they're going to put out a little speech and do a, a thing for the people of Ukraine. It just, it stinks. And I think it is time now. I know, I know they're probably all through the glass, the looking glass, as, as Steve said, the, uh, toothpaste out of the tube, can't get it back. But I, th- I think stuff has to happen now. I know the most important thing is in life at the minute is getting rid of this, finishing, stopping this war in Ukraine, see, and stopping as, as many lives, getting lost as possible. But when football is able to regather itself and life's able to regather itself and football then becomes another important thing, it was a club said it's the least important thing of important things. Well, when it actually comes back to the fore, football and football ownership, and the people who want to share, I do think we have the football government bodies. It's not my favourite because they're useless. People have to sit down and think something has to change here. And maybe there's a case of stuff brought in. Maybe the likes of City, uh, Newcastle, PSG, people like this are all their their ownership are all reviewed again. And if they don't pass the test, like that human rights clause that's supposed to be coming in, then the the club's taken from them. Is that maybe mental to say? But I think something has to be done because we're at a point now, and you you can't look at FIFA because Infantino is a fucking bald twat. Uh, no disrespect to people with uh, no hair, but um, you can't look at them because they're going to do nothing. Do you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know what we do, but it's. I'm lucky, um, and partly obviously we're because Liverpool are flying, so we're able to enjoy professional football. But when I go and watch, then say, Irish league or something or amateur league, and I see what football's like away from all this this nonsense, you know. Have a bit of a more stronger. We were talking with Gareth Hannon on the BBC commentator last night about this. I've a more of a love, a, a, not more of a love, but I feel an affection towards this more because it feels uh, real, and it feels yeah. not sweet isn't the right word, but you know it feels like it feels natural, it feels normal, it feels safe. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it's hard to put in the. It's on probably the feels, it feels more like a sport rather than. And yes. Entertainment. Thank you. There. Someone pick up something. Yeah. Like, and I think you know, it's just. I think if you dig deep into our, your own club, like, if you look at Arsenal sponsorship, sponsorship deals with some of these companies, like, if you really dig into these and find there is dirt there, like, and it's stuff that really, not just that one. There's other ones as well, and you know, there, there's things there that really you'd have to question your own club on. So we're we're not all perfect, and I kind of want to make that clear. The fact that I'm taking a dig at Chelsea like you know Arsenal aren't perfect either and I don't think any team really in the top flight is perfect um but I mean it's just it's just it's terrible what's going on in the world at the moment like it is awful it's it's not Chelsea's fault and I think Tuchel has been fantastic as well just to give him credit like you know he has been fantastic and really cut down reporters when they've asked him all these questions about the war in Ukraine like it's it's nothing to do with him it's nothing to do with the players or the staff at that club you know they're just kind of caught up in it because of who their owner is. But, you know, you're, you're right in what you say there, Phil. Like, you know, you know, like your Irish League football or you go away from what is the entertainment business now of the Premier League, of actual top professional football. Like, you know, you kind of feel like you're at an actual football game rather than you're there for the day to be entertained. Like, you go, I heard they were talking about bringing in like a halftime show similar to the Super Bowl and the football. And I'm like, why? What's the need? And, you know, this whole shit's been fired around all, you know, football clubs and this weekend about football stands together. I mean, like, we, we really, they really don't. Because you wouldn't have given a fucking World Cup to Qatar and 
you wouldn't let Newcastle be bought over by Saudi Arabians, and you wouldn't let that PSG be bought or Newcastle and Man City and so on and so forth. Like, it's just a load of it's just a PR bullshit stunt. Like, and you just you can't really you look at it and you look at the, all the captains wearing the colours of Ukraine this week, and I'm like, really? Like, you know, to me, it's just like it's just another PR stunt in the Premier League. I genuinely feel like the players are behind and supportive of it. Like, but I mean, in terms of the Premier League's brand, you know, it's just it's just them trying to have another PR stunt to make it look like they're doing something when really they're doing fuck all. Do you know? Because like, why are they letting these people own football clubs? Why are they, why is UEFA and FIFA fucking well so corrupt and taking bribes from God knows who and Latin World Cups and fucking European tournaments be out? Like, why was the Europa League final in Baku a couple of years ago? Like you can't, you can't trust any of them. They're just, they're all scum. Every single Can one I of them. See on that, Johnny, and not, not in any way to have a dig at Arsenal, but I, and this is all hindsight, and probably it, they probably could never have done it, and Liverpool wouldn't have done it. So I'm not saying they would have, but Mkhitaryan couldn't play in Baku. That should have been the mo- one of the moments where football went right. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, we're not going to play this here. We're not. Nah. And I, who know, I'm not even talking about the result. I'm just talking about the actual occasion. He couldn't go to Baku because of conflict and whatever. It was like Jordan uh, Shakiri couldn't go and play in Belgrade for Liverpool yeah. as well because they were afraid yeah. of what, what may happen to him. Yeah. Like, and things like this are just ridiculous. Like. So no. we should, like, that's another, and, and that they all seem small scale because of what's going on now and, and what's been happening. Champions League final taking off St. Petersburg, um, which is supposed to be a beautiful city. An unreal, warm, welcoming city, uh, which is on me and my mum's bucket list that we want to go and travel to. She loves Eastern uh, European history, and fuck, she's got a fair few of it the last couple of weeks anyway to, to get topped up on because of what's been going on. But like that was there was a wee moments where football just turned a blind eye to it. Do you know what I mean? And different things. And like I know Steve Richardson to get in. I have now got a real. I really, really enjoy League of Ireland too. I'm watching it and watching on the League of Ireland stream and stuff and, and what goes on there and you see what clubs are doing down there and just part of you were at Dundella yesterday. There just seems to be something about it that the the big side of it and look, where I'm sitting here, Liverpool could end up winning a lot of trophies this year and have a brilliant time and I'll celebrate all of them, but there's still something hollow. And that's getting bigger. For me anyway. I think I think there's there's a bigger conversation even than ownership of football clubs. I think we only have to look at what Russia did in terms of like Olympics and winter Olympics and Euro tournaments and stuff like that. And world cups and the, how these people like Putin, like Erdogan in Turkey, um, like others use sport as a mask for, everything else they're up to and we buy into it so easily because we want to be entertained we want to think that like you know the olympic games were founded as an ideal that like it would be nations competing against each other off the battlefield it would replace these kind of things and Mm -hmm. we but we bought into it so hard because we want to be entertained we want to have distractions from whether you know from our mortgage payments and from the rising cost of diesel and stuff like that like you, you that's what sport has always been. It's always been about escapism. And what we let happen was we let the worst people in the world take over it. 
whether it's running these organizations, whether it's running sports teams, like good people can't afford to own sports teams anymore. It's just impossible. I mean, you look at the NFL and there's not a single person of color that owns a team out of the 32 teams. And it used to be that ex-players could afford once their career was over to be involved in ownership of teams. That can't happen. In football, you know, you'd have, you know, um, syndicates brought together by former players to take over struggling football teams. That can't happen anymore because the, the cost is just too much. Like Johnny said, like selling it for 3 billion. Like, I mean, to buy a football team for 3 billion, you probably have to be worth 20 or 30 billion to be able to afford mm-hmm. all the other costs that go with running a football club. And only the worst people in the world can afford that type of money. Um, and so that's where it comes back down to is that like, what, what do we want actually sport to be? Do we want it to be grassroots, um, something that we're massively passionate about, or do we want it to be a business? Because it can't be both. Like it just, it just can't be both because the second, like not to bring it back to something as as petty or as 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 small as the you know Manchester United, but like the reason that football club is run so poorly is because the owners see it as a cash machine; they don't see it as a sports team. Um, and there's that divide that maybe when all the dust settles from all this, that we can, you know, maybe take a look at what our priorities are. Like, do do we want to spend five or 10 quid on a Friday evening and go see our local team play, or are we happy to drop 70 quid on New Jersey, four or 500 quid three times a season to go see our team play across the water? Like it's those kind of things that we have to decide as people, I suppose. Um, and again, I don't know. Um, it may well be too late. Like, uh, like, because the, the actual organizations that they all play for, like FIFA, UEFA, the IOC, all of these organizations, they don't give a shit about what we care about. They care about sponsorship. They care about people paying their fees. And after that, nothing else matters after that. So I really thought after COVID and everything we went through that we might, like, I don't know, have a different viewpoint on on what was important and what wasn't. But actually, the same people same terrible people who owned all these things and who had all the wealth and who had all the possibility to control these things are wealthier or have more power now and things are even worse. Um, and it's kind of sad and I, I, I hate to be so down about it all, but like, where's, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Like where's the, unless some government in Europe or in the UK come along and say, okay, every club has to be 50% fan owned. Like, what, what chance does football have? I don't think it stands a chance unless that happens. And then if they become fan-owned clubs, can they compete in the transfer market with teams in other leagues? They probably can't. They probably can't compete with PSG or Barcelona or Real Madrid, who, you know, despite being broke, seemingly have endless piles of money to spend on, on, on players. Um, and so it's going to take a collective effort from football. And whether that's, we need teams to go, okay, do you know what, our countries to go, do you know what? Fuck FIFA, we'll form our own organization. We'll do our own thing. Like um it's really hard to see that happening though, because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you know, there's a reason it's cliche, it's because it's true. Well, FIFA and UF obviously <clears throat> are shape bags, and there is someone who who is trying to break the mold, but unfortunately, 
he's an even bigger shape bag, and that's like Nelly at Juventus. So in the middle of all this happening, um, he decides that now he didn't announce who the teams were, but the European Super League is hasn't gone away, you know, um, and it's going to be coming back. Paddy, what did you make of all this? Like, what what a timings, sir, to chuck that hand grenade into the middle of all this and bring that up, and um, when people are and and by the way, if you saw that conference that he was at, um, Tebas and Serafin absolutely ripped strips off him while he was sitting in the front row before then letting him have his go to talk about what's been going on. Yeah, and it's, it's not something I know an awful lot about. I just kind of heard a bit about what he little bit about what he said but like he's kind of been banging that drum by himself really for a while now because he, he sees it as a way out of a way to challenge english clubs really i think to get more money uh for juventus but yeah very um sort of crass timing like considering what's going on in the world mm-hmm. um but it shows like the little regard that these powerful people have for humans um and human suffering if they choose that as a moment to to unleash another master plan to, to to put another kind of nail in football's coffin, but yeah, not good. I think they've kind of tried to be going under the radar with it. The fact that they know this is all going on and they're trying to just get it through, thinking like obviously it it isn't and won't be the biggest news at the moment because of what is going on in Ukraine, but like. You would like to think our own clubs, after what happened the last time, wouldn't be so daft as to get themselves involved again. So, I mean, I, I don't know if there's any rumours out there of which clubs have agreed to go back for this Super League. Um, I know the Cronkies did put forward uh, the money for the fines that Arsenal receiver joined at the last time, but I mean, I I would I would like to say that you know we wouldn't be one of the clubs involved, but you just don't know. Like money talks. So. I wouldn't have any faith in our all our three clubs uh, not trying to be involved. I I would it wouldn't surprise me if all three of them are in the background silently and quietly plotting to be involved and to break away. Um, I can tell you for a fact, Daniel Levy is involved. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Henry and the Blazers were major architects of that, like, so yeah. I think United and Liverpool might be <clears throat> probably the queue yeah. if that's the case. Yeah. Do you think Liverpool will go back again? I, I don't know if Liverpool will go back again. I, I genuinely I hope not. like I hope not. I really, I really, really hope not. I hope John Henry and an FSG have learnt and got their fingers badly burnt last time because of what happened. Um, I mean, that, that's the fourth or fifth time they've done something, I think, and fans have revolted. So you'd like to think the message has gone through. It just, like, you know, I pay a lot of attention to what's going on in baseball, and, and he's involved in this now, and there's a lockout now in baseball and MLB because effectively the owners are trying to screw over the players, and the players have caught wind of it, and or, well, they sort of knew it was coming, but they've stood up for what they think should be right. And, and of course, the owners just basically they don't really care. So, I, I don't know. Under FSG stewardship, if it if they did go for it again and it was announced, that would be me done until they were removed from the club. I would still watch from afar, very far, but as a giving money over, looking to get tickets, looking to get merchandise, paying attention to even podcasts, I would 
I would strip it all back. I think I've, I've said it before, and I wouldn't. I, I'm stubborn enough, um, as you all know, to to do something and, and to walk away from it. So, um, I just wanted to ask you, you, you shouldn't have to do that though. And like, wait, no, I know I shouldn't. Yeah, I know, and you shouldn't have to not like, as Johnny said, like we shouldn't be not able to enjoy a World Cup. But yeah, it's still the right thing. Yeah, it's it's still not it's still the right thing to do not to watch it. Um, it's like you know Coca Cola refusing to sell or refusing to stop selling in Russia. I was like, I love Coke. I I would drink several cans of Coke Zero a day, which is the best Coke. Um, Great lies, but I'm not I'm not going to buy it now. Because like that's just bullshit. And I know you could go through every single thing you've ever bought and you'll find blood on the hands of every single person involved in it. But like it's a tiny thing, but it's about the only thing I can do other than send money to Ukraine. Like very, <laughs> very very little I can do from here, you know. Um and I wanna feel in some way I don't wanna whatever about if I can't help the people of Ukraine, I don't want to in any way fund what's happening in russia like so the the world cup strange because like we all love and adore it and it's my first obviously probably for all these as well first proper football memory um but i know johnny had mentioned it before i don't know if you mentioned it on a pub he definitely did mention it to me before that you're not watching the guitar no, you're just not not, not paying not, any attention it's not like me trying to be like all high and moral like but I'm just fucking not watching it, like, because <laughs> fuck guitar and fuck a lot of them. Like, I'm just not doing it. Why the fuck do I want to sit and watch a World Cup in the middle of December? Like, you know, which should probably still be, like, fucking 40-degree heat. Like, it's, it's going to be a shite bag World Cup full of fucking dickhead sponsors everywhere saying, come yeah. visit fucking Qatar. Like, no, I don't fucking want to go to Qatar. I have no interest in going to the desert. Fuck a World Cup in the middle of Qatar. Like, honest to God, like, it's just... And yes, there is a bit of like everything that's gone on with human rights and stuff and guitar and all that. Like, it's just, I don't agree with it. And I'm just not watching it. And like Steve said, like, I mean, I have an iPhone. Like, I'm sure Apple have blood in their hands, fuck's sake. I'm sure there's plenty of other things. Like, I'm wearing a fucking Adidas hoodie right now, so there's probably blood in their hands too somewhere. You know, like, I'm, you can only, like you say, you can only do your bit in, the, in terms of. So you can send money, send food, whatever what you want over to Ukraine to help out the situation there. Like, and Pepsi Max is one hundred percent the best Coke, and I'll hear <laughs> no more bullshit about it. It is, and that's all I rest I have to say about the matter. I will not watch the World Cup in Qatar. I don't agree with it. It's wrong, and for football to be, you know, football to stand together, like it's just a load of shit. Like, how can you say that and have a World Cup in Qatar? How Europa League final in Baku, or you know? any of it like you know it's just rubbish so i'll just have a nice wee winter break this december <laughs> what do you think Polly? um yeah like it's a bit ridiculous about the whole qatar world cup like there's clearly clearly uh, uh brown envelopes involved there but uh like i will definitely watch the tournament like um i think i just i'm actually quite excited to see how it all goes um the winter world cup is just going to be very different i think it'll probably be the only time it'll happen in our lifetime um a winter world cup so um it should never happen in your lifetime that's the thing yeah it yeah, should well, never and, happen and like i think ultimately that's probably true but i still will i still know i will get excited about it i still know i will watch it 
Um, it's just delaying us winning the league next year. Like, you know, that's what annoys me. Like, I fucking have to take a, a month's break from us going and absolutely destroying boys, going down, smashing Liverpool, going to the Etihad, smashing City. Like, it's just, it's annoying, Phil, you know? It's annoying. It's not Doing that good. without Saka is going to be tough. Why? Because um, he's going away to the World Cup? No, nah, because he'd be playing at Anfield. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm undecided yet. I'll, I really, I'm not excited about it. Usually I am, um, but I'm not. Uh, we'll see what closer to the time what's happening. But I just like, and I'm a hypocrite because I watched the MotoGP this afternoon. It was in Qatar, <laughs> so um, I'm a, I, I am a hypocrite. I'm put my hands up. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a hypocrite sometimes, depending on what it's about. Um, but I will. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just football is just fucked at the minute, and I, I don't know how or if it will fix itself um but we'll see uh, and of course i mean it gives us stuff to talk about in the podcast too as well it gives us pro- proper debate about it um but yeah i don't know we'll see what happens we'll see what happens come down the line i think that'll probably uh do us for this week there's there's obviously midweek games on uh obviously it's back i think there's a league game as johnny mentioned as well and then we'll hold you back on thursday night for some tmb action um, and a bit of a roundup for that. Unless there's anything else you wanted to drop in before we finish up, Steve, you're on mute. I have. I said I think we've depressed enough people. So I think it's been a good chat. It's what I wanted. So um, from us. So I think it's been a. It's been I mean, a good the only chat. thing I would, I would add, I hope, uh, I hope I don't get poisoned. Whenever um, JD was talking about the relationship between uh, Abramovich and Putin, uh, um, it just kind of sounds like. We're all getting a serious radiation poison next. Like, I've been in the gym tomorrow and just fucking yeah. over and up here. Boosh. Yeah, <laughs> spread that. They're, they're, they're banging. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thanks, Johnny. Uh, you were nice and placid there earlier when talking about Abramovich and Chelsea. I'm sure your cousin Brenton will thoroughly enjoy that section. Um, Mark, he can come on on Thursday night and have a proper discussion of it. Yeah, he's gonna listen. He's gonna listen to it and think I was being harsh, and then he's gonna hear Johnny and just yeah. lose his mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, um, no, there's no digs at all. Like, like you know, it, it's it is absolutely not me trying to troll. Like, I just I've said it before, and I think I think I sent him a voice note in the middle of the week. Like, like fuck a It's like who like who cares? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm 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 just being honest. Like, why why would I lie about it to just be like, oh, I feel really bad for him? I don't feel bad for him at all. So. <laughs> and you know what? He, I know. I know he'll probably expect it anyway. So there will yeah. be nothing shocking for him whatsoever in this podcast. No. Um. Right. Well, I think that'll do us, folks. Uh. Thanks for listening, or if you're watching it as well. Um. If I can get the the video uploaded, you will be able to watch. It, so you'll see the little banner underneath. But get all of our social media stuff on Follow Babble Pod, Twitter and Instagram. Pardon me. And get some Patreon at patreon.com forward slash football babble. Anything you can do towards that would be amazing. Um, and we appreciate everyone already done that so far. Folks, enjoy the rest of the football. The actual football, not everything that's going on away from football at the minute. Uh, with all those corrupt bastards. But yeah, if you can, enjoy the football during the week. Um, myself and Johnny will be back Thursday for some more very bad behaviour. But speak to you again and good luck. <laughs>